Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Well, what's going on, 1.30? Glad you guys are here. Welcome to church. You guys are, you're doing it. Look at you. I mean, we, we didn't even put the chairs up, which, uh, you know, normally during 1.30 service, we kind of, we put some chairs up. We kind of try to force people to sit in the center section and up towards the front, but now you guys are growing your service. I know we got some 9.30 and 11.30 people who have graciously moved over to this service, and I just want to say from, from my heart to yours, thank you. Um, freeing up spots in those first uh, two services is what's going to help us continue to grow our church. For whatever reason, in Oklahoma, the most likely to attend services for people who don't go to church is going to be in that what we consider prime time, so nine till noon. And so those first two services are absolutely critical for us to uh, continue to grow as a church. So thank you, thank you, thank you from my heart to yours, guys. I'm excited about what God's doing today. Real quickly, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday is last Wednesday, and so we're super excited about that, make plans to be here, and then this weekend, so not, not this weekend, so next weekend, is going to be our baptism service, and so we're super excited about that. We set the baptismal up over here in this area. Uh, it's, it's, it's super awesome. They've got lights that light it up. We put a camera over it, and because, I'm just going to be honest. Next weekend snuck up on pastor, okay? I thought I had another weekend in this series, and then I started looking uh, because Thanksgiving is this weekend. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And I knew that our baptism service was on the weekend after Thanksgiving, and I'm like, oh, no. I don't, have enough, I don't have enough weekends to finish the series. And so I'm fixing, good Oklahoma word there, fixing, I'm fixing to unload on you today, okay? I've got two messages I'm cramming into one, all right? I'm going to give you so much scripture, but this is good. This is good. We want scripture because I want you to see with your own eyes what the Word of God says about increase, about finances, about success. I know for several of us, we come from backgrounds that, uh, for whatever reason, um, we may have been taught, it may have been understood, that for whatever reason, increase, that God's actually against it. But I'm going to let the Word of God speak for itself today. Amen? If you have an app, or if you have a phone that you can download apps, you can download the YouVersion app from the App Store and find, uh, just go to live events, find your place church on the live events. All of these scriptures and all of my notes are available for you. So if you want to go back and read even further in context what's being said, you can do that. That's why we give you scriptures. We don't want you to take my word for it. We want you to take his word for it. The, this, the, the word of God does not change. There's not portions of it that are just no, no longer relevant for our lives. The entire word of God is relevant for our lives. So we're going to buckle down and we're going we're gonna to look into some of these things. You know, money's not evil. Money's neutral, Okay. Money's neutral. The only thing that money does is money reveals our personalities. If you were a greedy person, poor, you'll be a greedy person, rich, bottom line. If you were a generous person when you had less 
and now all of a sudden you have more. You'll be even more generous. When it comes to generosity, it's never been about economics. It's never been about the marketplace. It's never been about the stock market. It's always been about obedience. Bottom line. We don't put our faith in the stock market. We don't put our faith in our jobs, our careers. We don't put our faith in our 401k. We put our faith in God above. Amen. He is the provider. He is the one that causes you to increase. And so let's just let the word of God speak for itself. So all I'm asking you to do is just to read the word, okay? Just read the word. Don't, listen, for, for those of us in the room who may have been taught that this, you know, that this is actually a negative thing, just put it on the shelf for the next 30 minutes and just let the word of God stand on its own two feet. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Genesis 13, 2 says, Abram was very rich. Now, a lot of people are like, well, yeah, he was rich in the Lord, brother. Well, that's why we're thankful for the word, because the Bible says Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Chapter 24, verse 1, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord blessed Abraham in all things. So even things that aren't mentioned in Scripture, the Bible says that God blessed him in all things of his life. Genesis chapter 24, verse 35, the Lord blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and male and female servants and camels and donkeys, and the list goes on. Genesis 26, 2, then Isaac sowed in the land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Bible says, and the Lord blessed him. Now, if you, if you invest, if you understand how to invest, then you understand a hundredfold return. That's pretty amazing. You know, we, we, you know, we, search, uh, we shop around for savings account that'll give us 0.15% return. Isaac got a hundredfold return. Now, here's what you need to know about the time of Isaac that he was in. The land was in a famine. Obviously, they didn't have investments back then, so they invested into the land, into cattle. They were an agrarian society. So when it says he planted seed in the ground and it produced a hundredfold return in a famine, only God could do that. Genesis chapter 26, verse 3, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. And again, continued prospering. In other words, it wasn't just the lottery <laughs> one time. You know, it wasn't just an inheritance. It wasn't just the sale of one business or whatever. The Bible says that he continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. I'm just reading the Word of God today. Is that okay, friends? Yeah. Just reading straight from your Bible. All these, I didn't change the Scriptures. These are all the same Scriptures you find in your Word. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 26, 14, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants, so the Philistines envied him. In other words, they were, just, they were jealous, basically. They were jealous of how God blessed him. Genesis 26, 14, no, I just read that. 30, verse 43. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous. I think prosperous would have been good enough. Amen? I think prosperous would have been good enough. 
But the scripture goes into detail to say it wasn't just prosperous. My friend was exceedingly prosperous. You need to know this about the character of Almighty God. He wants to prosper you. Now, he does not want you to live for money. He wants you to live for him. And if your heart's right, then come on. He's going to bless you. Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and, uh, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Chapter 39, verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Meaning this, it's not just going to rain down from heaven on you. The Bible says that he will bless whatever you put your hand to. So if you put your hands to something, whatever you put your hands to, according to Scripture, God caused it to prosper. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and adds no sorrow to it. Now, this is important because we all know people who may or may not believe in God, who may or may not worship Jesus, and yet, for whatever reason, they have still prospered. But here's the difference. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich, according to Scripture, but he adds no sorrow to it. There is no backstabbing. There is no crooked measure. There is no dodging or secretive stuff. Like, there's, there's no, you don't have to force it. Are you with me? The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, the Bible says. It doesn't say, barely get along. It doesn't say, well, it meets just your needs and that's it. The Bible says, the holy word of God that does not change says, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. Are you with me, friends? Let me tell you how I want you to sit in this service today. I can prepare until I'm blue in the face. But if you come in here and you sit in this room and you put your foot on the brake and you just kind of, I don't know about this, you know what I mean? It'll determine the direction of this service. But if you come and you lean into this message, and you filter the very unchanging word of God through your own life, this message will change your life forever. If you'll lean into it. You gotta lean into it. You have more of a responsibility for this service than I do. You have more of a responsibility to receive than I have a responsibility to communicate. Now, I'm believing God for direction. I'm believing God that he will lead us and he will guide us. But what you have to do is lean into it. You know, some people are like, well, these are all Old Testament scriptures. Well, let me give you some New Testament scriptures. By the way, his thoughts towards you don't change from Old Testament to New Testament. We just live in a better promise, in a better covenant. Jesus Christ came and paid the price. But for all the New Testament people, Philippians 4.19 says, This same God who takes care of me will supply all your need from his rich, glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Given to us. Freely given to us. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, plenty of leftover to share with others. That's the goal. I just want to have more than enough so I can share with everybody. You know, people are like, Well, I can't let anybody know I got a bonus. Then everybody will want it. Man, I want people to know when I get a bonus. I want to be able to give to anybody. We've given cars away. What? Yeah. We've given cars away. You know what we get back? Cars. 
We've given, we haven't given houses yet. That's next. I'm going to give a house away. And someone's like, where do I sign up? <laughs> well, I'm just believing God for it. Why? Because I want to be generous. That's why I'm interested in this. I want, I want people to look at me and say, that man was blessed. Are you with me today, friends? So when we read this stuff, we're like, okay, well, if this God's will for us to prosper, then let's get this show on the road, Lord. Like, why aren't we there yet? That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Father, what a great privilege it is for me to stand on this stage and to share your word. Father, we know that the entrance of your word brings light, and it brings understanding, and that's what we're asking for today, light and understanding. Father, for whatever reason, we've all got different backgrounds. Father, we want your will, your truth to come out. We want you to be glorified in this place today, Father. So unlock our understanding. Help us to see things we've never seen before, Father, as it pertains to your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 is where we're going to start reading today. The Bible says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, or we would say exists, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I think most of us in the room, we believe that there's a God. In fact, there's a large portion of our population that believes there is a God or a being of the universe. You know what I mean? Most people believe that there's something out there bigger than them. But here's where the disconnect is. According to this scripture, it says... Uh, but without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and there's more, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So many of us don't believe that God is actually a rewarder. Or if he is a rewarder, for whatever reason, he rewards you, he just doesn't reward me. But what we need to understand is our faith in the matter is a big deal. Well, what is faith? In the, in the simplest term, what is faith? I mean, people have different kind, kinds of definitions about what faith is. Some people think the very simple fact in believing that there is a God, that's what the Bible means when it's talking about faith. Well, there is a God. Oh, they lost faith, which, which basically means they, they no longer believe in God anymore. No, 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 no. Faith is so much more than that. Well, what is it? Well, if you want to know what the Bible definition of the Bible word faith, you need to go to the Bible. Amen, everyone? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is, all right, he's about to give you a definition, confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we cannot or do not see. Two words, when you're defining faith that stick out to me from this scripture, Faith is confidence and assurance. Now, confidence. You know when you're confident about something. You carry yourself differently when you're in confidence and assurance. I'm not talking about arrogance. There's a difference between arrogance and confidence. But when you're confident, you live differently. You're confident. You know that God's got you. I'm confident. And I'm assured that God has me. Confidence and assurance is faith in its purest 
simplest form. I'm going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf for you today, okay, guys? So you all can reach one. You all can have some. It reminds me of the story of Abraham. So here's a man, if you're not familiar with the story of Abraham, the Bible says that Abraham was the father of faith, meaning he was a man of faith. And so if you know the story, basically God said, you're going to be the father of many nations, which means you're going to have a bunch of kids. Well, my friend Abraham is 100 years old. He still doesn't have kids. The Bible says that Sarah's womb was dead, meaning basically she couldn't have children. And at 100 years old, we all think that someone should come up to Abraham and say, bro, (laughs) you should probably stop. Like in 100 years, this hasn't happened. Maybe it's God's will that you don't have children. But Abraham would not take no for an answer. In fact, we read the account in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, against all hope. I mean, face it, according to medical science, there's no hope. You're, you're 100, she's 99, you've been trying, she can't have kids. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, meaning he trusted God. He was confident and he was assured that God is a God of his word no matter what, no matter how much time has passed, and so became the father of many nations. If you know the story, he had Isaac. He had actually had a bunch of kids, and then they all had kids, and then they all had kids. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Look at verse 19. Without weakening in his faith. So faith is so much more than just believing that there is a God. He did not weaken in his faith, which tells me if you can weaken in your faith, you can strengthen in your faith. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He wasn't avoiding the obvious. He wasn't avoiding the fact that he was 100 years old. And it goes on to say, uh, since he was about 100 years old, and the fact that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. So again, if you can weaken in faith, you can strengthen in faith. And gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. Man, don't don't discount, don't read over this. Being fully persuaded. There's no talking him out of it that God had the power to do what he'd promised. When it comes to the promises of God, our faith is a huge piece in this. Well, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Well, if you're in a fight, then that tells me there's enemies that you're fighting. Okay, so if our fight, if we're in a fight for our faith, then what are the enemies? I want to give you four enemies of your faith today that I believe it's going gonna, it's gonna to help you. Now, you'll probably realize that one of the four or maybe a few of the four you are personally walking through. And I'm also going to give you the answers today from Scripture. I'm telling you, today's a life-changing message for you guys. Today's a defining moment. If you'll lean into it, if you'll, if you'll change the filter of your heart right now that this message is about to change my life, Your life's about to change, amen? 
throwing you a life preserver today. The first enemy of your faith that I want to talk about is simply the lack of knowledge. Now you're like, what does that even mean? When it comes to faith for finances specifically, most people just don't even know what the promises of God are. They don't even know that God wants to bless them or they've been told the opposite, that God actually wants to keep you poor and broke because it's better for you, it keeps you, keeps you humble. That's, you can't find that in Scripture. Don't fabricate Scripture. It's not in Scripture. Don't make Scripture something that it's not. Faith comes by hearing, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes by hearing the message, and the message that is heard is the Word of God. Faith comes by putting the Word of God inside of you. The Bible says there's only one way that faith comes, and that's hearing the Word, hearing the Word, hearing the Word, hearing the Word. That's the only way to get it. Man, when I read those scriptures earlier about how Abraham was very rich, some of you, it was the first time you saw that, and all of a sudden you were like, I didn't know that. What was that? That was the beginning of faith growing inside of you. When the Bible said, and he continued to prosper, when he said he became exceedingly rich, all of a sudden your thoughts and ideas of God began to change in your life. What is that? That's faith cranking its engine inside of you. That's, it's cranking, won't, 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 won't. You know what I mean? And then as you continue to read the word of God, all of a sudden you put it in gear and all of a sudden things begin to happen inside of you. But until you know God's will for your life, it won't happen. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins in any area of your life. It begins where the will of God is known. Well, if you think or you're under the impression that God is not interested in you increasing, then you'll never have faith for it. Does that make sense? You'll, you'll, never, you'll never grow in these areas, or if it happens, it's just by happenstance, but I'm telling you, God has a plan for you. When I realized that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, man, I would fall asleep listening to it. I'd read books. I'd listen to tapes. Okay, for all you guys born after 1995, a cassette tape, plastic thing, had ribbon inside of it. You could record on them. It's awesome. That's how we made The term mixtape came from the 90s, okay? 80s, 90s, that's where we get that term. But man, I would put it inside of me. Anytime the church doors were open, I was here. Why? Because I wanted the word of God inside of me because I knew every time I sat here, if I listened, if I applied it to my life, then my faith would grow. My faith would grow. It matters what the Bible says. If you don't know what the Bible says, you, don't, you can't have faith for areas of your life. When we're talking about depression, finances, favor, healing, forgiveness, love, fear, worry, stress, the Bible has something to say about all of those things, which is why we pound the Scripture into you guys at Your Place Church. It's why I put them on the screens. It's why they're in the app. I want you to not take my word for it. I want you to find out for yourself. I want you to read the context. Find out that we're not changing the Word of God to say something that it doesn't because you can get into scary ground if you do that. We don't change the Word of God. That's His Word, and it's holy. But we also don't water it down. We preach it like it's meant to be preached. Amen? If you don't know the Word of God, you don't know what certain things mean. For instance, have you ever seen this sign before? It's interesting because we've seen it on a side of an ambulance We've seen it uh, at a hospital. Maybe you have Blue Cross and Blue Shield insurance, and this is, used to be on the Blue Shield, right? And it's this picture of this snake 
you know, climbing up this flagpole. And I'm like, what does that even mean? I can remember as a kid seeing that and asking my mom, what does that mean? And she says, well, that just means there's healing available at that place. Well, if you know your scripture because you've understood it, then you understand the story back in the Old Testament of Moses uh, walking the Hebrew children out of Egypt, right? They were in slavery. Moses comes, set my people free, right? So he takes them out of, he takes them out of slavery. Well, there's this one point, and here's what you need to know about the protective hand of God. It's like, it's like God had his hands over the children of Israel. And as they would move, God's protective hand would move with them. It's like a snowplow. Well, they're, they're in the desert, and there's snakes in the desert. And as they would move, the snakes are there anyway, but God's protective hand was pushing snakes away from them. So you imagine, here goes this force field for all you sci-fi people. There's a, there's a force field, a dome, okay? And as they were moving, it was moving, and all these snakes were being pushed out of the way. Well, when the children of Israel began to murmur and complain against God, what happened was it wasn't that God took his hands off of them. They moved outside of the protective plan of God. Well, guess what's waiting them for them on the outside of that plan, on the outside of that protection? Snakes. Snakes are waiting for them. And the Bible says that they all they begin to get bitten by snakes and they begin to die. And it was a bad, scary deal because all the did you hear about Ann Hazel? She died. Man, I got bit by a snake. And it just spread through the whole place. Well, Moses goes to God and says, What am I supposed to do? All these snakes are biting the people. God tells him, fashion a bronze snake. Because it was the one thing that was biting them, right? Fashion a bronze snake and put it on a pole, and I want you to erect it or make it go real big. I want, you to, I want you to put it up in the air so everybody in the village can see it. And when they look at it, when their eyes look upon it, they'll be saved. They'll be healed. They'll be set free. So Moses does it. Well, fast forward a few generations later, we read the story in Scripture. As Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, so the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, will be crucified or will be lifted up for you, for your healing, right? Jesus became sin for us. He, he took in him all the sickness, all the de- disease of all mankind, and anybody who looks to Jesus will be healed. Amen. Amen? See, if you don't know that, then you don't have faith for that. We know that story, so it, it stirs inside of us. In fact, there's been multiple opportunities that we've stood on this. Most of you guys, if you're new with us, you may not know this story, but most of you know the story about Tyson, my youngest. He was in our first trimester. Tyrus carrying around. She's pregnant. We're excited. Number three, here we go, right? And uh, during the first trimester, she starts having complications, and her body tries to abort him. Well, we take him, well, we go to the doctor. In fact, we thought, we thought that we miscarried. We thought that we lost him. And they put that little mic on there and makes that little noise. And the doctor's like, no, no, there's still a baby in there. And we're like, oh, okay. What does that mean? He says, well, that means you need to go home because your body's actively trying to abort your baby. In other words, you ain't out of the woods yet. Your body's still, because she's still having contractions, like her body's still trying to flesh this thing out. And uh, so she, he says, go home, and you just lay down, and you don't move. Well, we knew better than just go home and not do anything. We knew that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so I put her in, in the recliner. I'd leave for work in the morning. 
we had an auto-reverse cassette player, dual auto-reverse. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Put a, I, had a, I had a series on healing, all the scriptures that talk about healing, and I put one tape in, rewound it all the way, put another tape in, rewound it all the way, and I just hit play right here because I know it would go from one side to the next, and then it would jump to this deck, and it would go to this side to this, and then it would jump back like it just would go on all day long. And I'd come back from work eight, nine, ten hours later, she'd still be in that recliner, and she's still listening to that word. She's getting it inside of her because she knows faith comes by hearing. Well, guess what? There he is. Amen. Amen. And listen, that's not to, listen, listen, I'm not shaming anyone in the room. Just because, just because it hasn't worked does not change the word of God. Your story, your grandma's story, your best friend's story that was really close to Jesus, it didn't work for them. That does not change the word of God. The word of God stands. And nobody's isolated experience changes it. In fact, for every story that it doesn't happen, I can tell you 10 more that it did. Amen? Moving right along. Another enemy of our faith that we're fighting against, right, is unworthiness. What does that mean? If I were to walk through the room today, and I could figure out if, you know, truth serum actually worked, like if I had a truth serum, right? I'm going to stick you with some truth serum, right? And push this stuff inside of you, and it's going to force you to tell the truth, right? Like if that actually existed. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. If you know, come talk to me after service because I'm super curious, right? And so if I was to do that, go through the room and just inject you with truth serum where you just had to tell me the truth, and I said, how come you don't feel like God uh, wants to bless you? You would say, it's because I'm unworthy. Like, if I could get down to the true, your true thoughts, you would say things like, I don't believe, I don't believe I'm, I'm worthy. I don't believe God will bless me. I believe, I believe he'll bless others, but I just don't believe he will bless me. Well, I'm going to set the record straight today. You are worthy. Every single one of you are worthy. The Bible says you're worthy. And if someone's told you, and this is where I have a problem with religion, we're all sinners saved by grace. True story, the emphasis is on the sinners when God wants the emphasis on saved by grace. True story, you all were sinners, but you're saved by grace. Put the emphasis where the emphasis needs to go. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, I'm reading now the NIRV, so it's the reader's version. Anyone, say anyone. Anyone, anyone who believes in Christ is a new creation. Or new creation. Uh, the old is gone, the new has come. Verse 19 says, God was bringing the world back to himself through Christ. He did not hold people's sins against them. God has trusted us with the message that people may be brought back to him. Verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Simply put, it's never been about how worthy you think you are. It's never been about how much you read your Bibles, how much you pray, how you treat people, your past life, your thought life what your opinions are of people. It's never been about that. Now, those are all important things. 
You should read your Bible because the entrance of his word brings light. That's how faith comes. That's why you read your Bible. But God's not up there with a measuring stick saying, eh, he didn't read his one-year Bible today. Stinks for him. No, no. God looks at you, and when he sees you, he sees you through the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood does not lose its power. When his blood was shed for you, it washed you white as snow, the Bible says. You become a brand new creation. And you're like, well, that happened when I received Jesus, but I've sinned since then. So what you're telling me is the blood's not strong enough for you now, but it was then. You're worthy. You're worthy of God's full, undivided, unhampered attention. And that's just it. So many people are like, we're so not worthy. We're so not worthy. And it's true. But because of Jesus Christ, he made you worthy. You can stand in the presence of God. You can, the Bible says to come boldly into the throne room of grace where you can obtain mercy and grace in a time of need. God doesn't look at you and go, Tch. he looks at you and says, come here, come here, let me hold you, I love you. Does that change things for you? If you don't believe that, you won't stand in the promises of God because you don't feel like you have a place. You don't feel like you have a right. That word alone changes some things. Amen. You know, I, if, I, if I let that thought mess with me, I wouldn't be pastoring today. There, there, I, there's many times I've asked God, why in the world did you call me to pastor? Because I don't feel worthy to pastor. Now, don't get up and storm out of the room when I tell you this, okay? I am not a person that feels like I'm good at holding people's hands and walking them through life. I don't feel like I'm very good at it. And so what do I do? I surround myself with people who are really good at it. You know what I mean? They're sitting there waiting for their phone to ring so I can walk people through tragedy. I'm like... I just do not. <laughs> and if I let that mess with me, because everybody assumes, well, if you're going through crisis, call the pastor. And the pastor will call someone who actually enjoys walking through crisis with you. And I'll be like, hey, man, I don't know what's going on, but they need some help. Could you, would, would you call them? Would you help them? Yeah. Thank you for trusting me. No, no, no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because I don't feel like I'm really good at it. Now, do I do it? Yeah. Kind of comes with the job. I also don't feel like, no, don't storm out of the room. I do not leave third service, go home, and go right back into my pastoral study where I have concordances and volumes of all these books laid out and just get right back into the study of God's holy word. You know what I mean? Do I believe God's word changes you? Absolutely. Do I read God's word? Yes. And try to absorb as much as I can. But as far as it like, like dissecting every single little verse, man, I find someone who's done that and I just listen to them. You know what I mean? So what I trust you, would you say? Great. Write it down. Move on. People are like, I didn't know that. You know what I am good at? Leading. I'm good at leading. I can lead people. I didn't used to be good at communicating, but I've developed that. I just trust God moves. 
And God says, I want you to pastor a group of people in Mays County. I just said yes. But if I let worthiness kick in, I don't feel worthy to do this. But I've been made worthy through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So have you. So have you. Amen? This is an enemy to your faith. If you don't feel worthy, you won't stand in the presence of God. Some of you, you don't feel worthy. You don't feel like you deserve God's blessings. Basically, Jesus Christ died in vain for you. That's hard, Pastor. It's true. Because you don't see yourself worthy because of Jesus' finished work. Change that little filter in your life. The, the, another enemy of your faith is simply hope versus faith. Do you believe that God wants you to prosper? Oh, gosh, I sure hope so. No, 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 that's not it. Faith is confidence and assurance. It's not, I sure hope so. That's not faith. Faith is confidence and assurance. To illustrate this, if I was to take you out on our boat and take you right out in the middle of our cliff right there, it's about 55 feet down, and I was to put a life jacket on you and say, hey, this will hold you up, trust me, and then push you in, you got to have some confidence that that life jacket's going to hold you up, especially if you've never jumped in the water before. And so many people, we would stand on the side of the boat with that life jacket on going, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work. I sure hope it works, right? But until we jump in, we really don't know. This is why the Bible says, now listen, you can read the word of God. You can believe the word of God and it's still not work for you because you don't do the word of God. The Bible says to not just be hearers only, but be doers of the word. God spoke to me very clearly, and he says, now is the time to renovate this building. I said, okay. Nothing happened until I stood on this platform on that weekend when we had all that construction equipment out here, when you guys were here for that, had my golden shovel, right, my gloves, my golden hard hat, had my vest on, and I was like, we're building the building, and everybody jumped up and celebrated. It was an amazing weekend. Guess what happened? It wasn't until I took a step, and I told you, we're renovating the building, and then thousands of dollars starts pouring in. Why? Because I took a step. Faith has always been an action. Otherwise, hope basically just begs God. God, please, 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 please do this for me. That's not faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. If faith, according to the scripture, is confidence and assurance, then you know what God's will is for your life because faith comes by hearing the word of God. The Bible says he gives you the desires of your heart. You come boldly into the throne room of God, completely accepted, completely washed by the blood of Jesus, and you stand there confidently and you say, this is what I'm believing God for. See the difference? Please, 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 versus no. This is what I'm believing God for. And his word said it. I believe it. I've acted on it. That settles it. Amen. And just like Abraham, it is this, this, in the purest form, confidence and assurance. Am I helping anyone today? Yeah. James chapter 5 says it this way. 
a, the prayer offered by those who have faith. Again, faith is something you have. It's not just a belief that there is a God. It's, a, it's, it's confidence and assurance that God will do stuff for you. The prayer offered by those who have faith will make you well. The Lord will heal you. Is there any stipulation to this? Does it say if you, if you, you know, spend hours and hours and hours on your needs begging God? No. It says the prayer offered by those who have faith. In other words, they understand what the word says. They understand it's God's will to heal. They understand that every single person that came to Jesus in the New Testament for healing left healed. And he's ne- he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then will make you well. The Lord will heal you. And if you sin, you will be forgiven. It's just the word. I don't have to say anything. I don't, I don't have to add my thoughts. It's the word of God stands on its own. Mark 11, verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus says. So this is Jesus who might know something about God. He says, what I'm about to tell you, your place church, is true. Because you know he's telling us this. What I'm about to tell you, your place church, is true. Suppose one of you says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. You must not doubt in your heart. You must believe that what you say will happen. Then it will be done for you. So I tell you, when you pray for something, look here, believe that you have already received it, then it will be yours. You can't change Jesus' language. You can't change Jesus' thoughts. That's like scary ground. And people want to say, well, that's not what Jesus meant. He just said it as plain as you can say it. And so what we've done is we've just been audacious enough to take God at his word. Just been audacious enough to take God at his word and said, if he says it, then I'm going to stand on it and I'm going to believe it and I'm going to watch God move. So those of you who know, I mean, this is just the most recent story. We just recently moved. My wife is part gypsy. She wants to, she wants to move around every two years because that's the way she was raised. Her dad was in sales, and so they would just send him to the next job, and so she got used to having a new house every two years. Well, when we got married, from the age of two to the age of 20, when we got married, I had lived in the same house my whole life. Same, woo, thank you. Same bedroom, right? Same, same location, same place. I married Tyra, and I have now moved 11 times in 25 years because this woman does not just get settled. Like, no, we don't, we don't leave town. She just moves around in the town, right? Just finds a new place and wants to move there. And so, you know, this last house that we, we just sold, I'm like, girl, give me at least five years. I hate moving. The only upside of moving is you throw a bunch of crap away. Can you say crap in church? Anyway, you throw a bunch of stuff away, right? And uh, that's the only upside of moving. And so, but it, I, we made it seven. So I told her, give me five years. And she made it, we made it seven. So praise God. Praise God. Uh, so this last house, so this is what we do. So it's been five years and so six, seven years. So now she starts to get the itch again. She wants to move around. 
And so she starts looking for a house, and we found a house, and it's out on the lake, and quite honestly, it was way outside of our market range that we needed to be looking at. It's, I knew what we can afford, and this is something that's just a little outside of what we can afford. I don't, I don't think this is the place for us. And this mighty woman of faith, and here's me, a guy who's growing in faith, you know, we would drive up, and this is what we do every time. We drive up to a house that she wants, and we just pull in in the driveway, right? I just pray it's not occupied, okay? I pray that people have already moved, but we just pull up in the driveway, and we get out, and we look in the windows. Can you imagine how awkward that would be? Your house is for sale, and here's Pastor Darian looking in your windows to see if I like the house, right? We walk around this house, okay? We start seeing ourselves living in this house. I start seeing, Tyra's looking in the back windows, and she says, I'm going to put my couch right here. I'm going to put that picture right here. I can see fires in this fireplace right here. She sees herself. Are you following me? She sees herself there. We walk around and we say, God, you said that you give us the desires of our heart. And so this is a desire of our heart. We want to live right here. And guess what? We moved there. And the, 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 the backside of the story is we just trusted God. We just believed God. And sure enough, the seller of the house, we just said, I mean, all he can do is say no. So we just offered him what we thought we could pay. And he was at first, he said no but we didn't let that waver us. We just, we just, God, I don't know how, if that, that means we get an increase in our income, if that means all of a sudden something happens, if that means the price comes down, all we want is this house. We weren't coveting our neighbor's home. You know, the Bible says don't covet your neighbor's wife. It applies for his car at his home too, all right? I want that house. Well, he wants that house, okay? But this house is for sale. They want to, they want to sell it. Well, long story short, he came down, we came up, we moved in the house. Boom. Why? Because the Bible says there's a difference between hope and faith. Amen, everyone? The Bible says you must not doubt in your heart, but you must believe that what you say will happen, then it will be done for you. So I tell you, when you pray for something, Believe that you have already received it, then it will be yours. Faith changes hope into reality. So if there's three, four enemies, enemy number one, lack of knowledge. Enemy number two, unworthy attitude. Enemy number three, hope versus faith. Listen, I'd rather have someone in hope than not. If you lost hope, then I can't help you. But I can, take, I can use hope. The last enemy is simply this. James chapter 1, it's wavering, wavering. But when you ask, you must believe. Do you see a theme in Scripture, guys? You, you got to believe. You got to have a confidence and an assurance about yourself. This is why people, listen, they, they throw a bunch of stuff on God that shouldn't be his. I don't guess it's God's will. No, you didn't believe. The Bible says when, when you ask, you must believe, and you must not doubt. It goes on for clarity. Listen, don't doubt. My youth pastor told me once that, that you can have a 55-gallon drum of the purest, cleanest, clearest spring water, and then you can take a drop of the most toxic poison there is, and you can drop one drop in that spring water, and it ruins the whole thing. That poison is what doubt is to your faith. 
This is why it's important to get the word inside of you. This is why it's important to find out what God says and then just stand on it. He says, you must believe and not doubt. People who doubt are like waves of the sea. The wind blows and tosses them around. A man like that shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. That seems harsh. He can't make up his mind, and he can never decide what to do. King James Version says, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So it's simply, it's, it's simple. If you're in a sailboat, water's calm, everything in life is great, got a good headwind pushing you along, it's real easy to believe God in situations like that. God, thank you for the wind. We're cruising right where we want to go. But the minute the sea gets turbulent, the minute the, way, the wind changes and the waves begin to crash, the Bible says that's when you stand in faith. You don't change. Oh, the sea got crazy. It must not be God's will. No, God's will hasn't changed. Just because chaos is around you doesn't change the word of God. Amen, everyone? This is why when Jesus was talking about the, the, the parable of the sower, there's a farmer that goes out and he sows seed. We've all heard this before. He goes out and he sows seed, and he says some of the seed falls by the wayside. And then later he tells his disciples, are like, what does the parable mean? And Jesus says the seed is the word of God. The farmer's sowing it. Some of it lands by the wayside, and he says the birds of the air come and they eat it up. And then he says, the, the, the birds of the air, that's the enemy, that's the devil. He's not after you. He's after the word of God. He's after, because you know what's going to happen? If you let this message change your life, and you begin to stand, and you have faith for finances, and all of a sudden everything you put your hands to prospers, and you're a generous person, that means more missionaries are going to be sent. That means conduit missions is going to have more money. That means we're going to rescue more people in Mace County. Do you see how that kind of destroys the devil's plan for Mace County if you get rich? If you become successful and you become generous, then all of a sudden the devil's like, dang it, those your place church people start believing God. Typically, you'll hear a message like this. And then you'll get all like, oh, man, God's going to bless, God's going to bless, God's going to bless. And then you have a flat tire. And you're like, oh. You know what the flat tire was? The bird coming for the seed. Doesn't work. Some of you got to trust God in your giving. You start, you start tithing for the very first time, and the washer goes out. And you're like, oh, I can't tithe now. He wins. So you got to recognize the, the attack. He doesn't care about your clean clothes. He cares about the seed that got sown inside of your heart. If you let go of that, he wins. I want it to be said. We don't record, I mean, we record it, but we don't post this service. 
I can say anything I want. I want it to be said, Pastor, how did you get all those wealthy people to attend your church? And my answer is going to be, they weren't wealthy when they showed up. God made them wealthy. They believed the word of God. They started applying the word of God, and it changed their life. And now they're the most generous people. You already are the most generous people we know. But God began to prove himself again and again and again and again. Remember Abraham? Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. And so became the father of many nations. As it had been said to him, so your offspring will be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Sarah's womb was also dead. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Amen, everyone? I'm going to pray for you. And I'm believing if you will take what's said today and you will just get steadfast, confident, and assured, and you just trust God, watch what's going to happen. And you, you bring me the stories. You tell me the stories. I want to know that it's working in your life because it will work. Amen? Time's going to pass anyway. We might, as well be, we might as well be spending it full of faith and power. And watch God do some amazing things. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you that the entrance of your word brings light. And God, we've been flooded with light today. Father, you've corrected some theology. You have undone some false teaching today. And Father, you've brought us the truth. Father, you said in your word that we would know the truth. And the truth would set us free. So, Father God, as those who are truth bearers, Father, I pray that we've been set free in this area of debt. We've been set free in this area of increase and financial return and success, Father God. I trust you that you're, you're proving your word to the people of your place, church, God. And Lord, I thank you that we'll be those who are quick to give you praise, to give you honor, to give you glory. We don't take the credit. We are just those who obey the word of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Because you guys are generous people, you believe in what we do at Your Place Church. And one of our five lanes is an, has an international focus. And we, 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 our expression of that international focus happens through Conduit Missions. And so uh, I want you to take a look at this. This is a Haiti video. This is a recap from the, the crew that went to Haiti. Enjoy. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.